Rico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in! All right, football fans, welcome in to episode number 67 of the Intercontinental Football Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Tyler Terrence, and joined by none other than Arlo White and, of course, A-Dub. We are recording this on a Sunday evening. It is an SNP, but it is not a joyous one. I am about halfway through a Freedom Lemonade, which is brought to you by Revolution Brewing. And this podcast is brought to you by Revolution Brewing, the largest independent brewery in the state of Illinois. And they make all of their beer with pure Lake Michigan water goodness. After last night, is that your first Freedom Lemonade? No, this is not my first Freedom Lemonade. um, And it will not be my my last of of the night. Um, unfortunately, we are recording this uh, with, with, with a somber tone after a somber result at Soldier Field, a night that after 45 minutes looked like it could potentially be the turning point of the 2022 mm-hmm. season. The Chicago Fire were leading the Columbus Crew amidst Heineken Rivalry Week in Major League Soccer by a score of 2 to nil. Hezra Hendrickson saying to me at halftime that he felt like it was the best first half the Chicago Fire have played or any half this season. And in my three years covering the team, Arlo, I don't remember a better half of football. The second half simply wasn't that. They concede three goals. Derek Etienne comes on, scores two. Luis Diaz changes the game. And then Cucho Hernandez in just perfectly imperfect fashion comes Mm. off the bench, making his debut in Major League Soccer and scores the game-winning goal. The final score is three to two in favor of the Columbus crew. I'm going to take a big gulp of my freedom lemonade here, Arlo, and I will toss it over to you so you can try to make sense of what happened because I just am in a rough spot right now. Well, it's hard, isn't it? It was it was the good, the bad, and the downright ugly of, of the Chicago Fire season so far, encapsulated in 90 minutes of topsy-turvy roller coaster football. I mean, I had a chat with with Ezra on Friday afternoon, just on the telephone, just for 10 minutes, just to get his... The, the sense of what he wanted from the team going into the game. And, and we're very lucky in MLS when you build the relationships, you know, with 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 people like Ezra as head coach, it was Rafa last season, that that they trust you and they give you their their starting eleven. Doesn't happen in England. <laughs> I can tell you that. If you ask for a starting eleven from a manager, you would not be at the next press conference. Um so Ezra told me the the and and, and told you the the starting eleven and it was wow, yes, okay, four changes from San Jose. Both fullback positions, um, more dynamism. Uh, John Espinosa at right back, uh, and Miguel Navarro back from from health and safety protocols at left back. Um, great. So he wanted the fullbacks to get forward more. And John Duran, that was the big call, wasn't it? In place of Casper Shabilko, who's been struggling in front of in front of goal of late, and also Brian Gutierrez, who got his first MLS goal uh, down in San Jose last week, and and the message that that Ezra gave to me on this call was energy, dynamism. We we need to start scoring goals, and there's no question that with 16 goals in 17 games or 18 games coming into this one, that the only way the Fire are going to get some points and to start leaping up the the Eastern Conference standings is to start scoring goals. So this was a team built to high press and attack, and the first half was sensational. It was brilliant. You've been a part of the fire for longer than I have, Tyler, and you're saying it's the best you've seen. So it's certainly the best that I've seen. Um, I remember my last game last season was the 3-0 win over Atlanta, and, and that was pretty exhilarating. But this was just, this was on a different level. 
Chris Mueller was fantastic. Gutierrez was terrific. Shakiri had a slow start, but got into the game and started dictating. John Duran was magnificent, not only with his pace, his physicality his, and his ability to hold up the ball with his back to goal. Who knew? And then you've got uh, Jimenez is spraying the ball all over the place. Navarro putting tackles in and, and you know, high up the pitch and winning possession back. And I, I thought at halftime, 2-0 flattered Columbus. I thought it could have been three or four. They didn't have a kick. They might have, in the percentages, they dominated possession. I don't remember a decent move they put together in that first 45 Gaga didn't make a Gaga didn't make a save no. in the first half. I don't even think he no. had to come and get a cross. There was nothing. Literally. I think there was a, there was a free kick from Zellerian that went over the bar and it didn't trouble him in the slightest. And it, it was just utter and complete domination. Now, I suppose at halftime you're thinking, is Caleb Porter going to switch from a three at the back to a four at the back and maybe flood the midfield a little bit more and get more creativity onto the field? Let me stop you right there because I was talking about this with somebody today and I watched him for about 45 seconds at the end of the first half. I had killed my headset and I was, you know, hooking up my microphone um, so I could do the halftime interview with Ezra. So I was just watching him and I don't think he said a word for like three or four minutes at the end of the first half, including stoppage time, because he's sitting there and just thinking, what does he think I'm going to do? What am I going to do? How can I impact this game? I know I'm going to bring on Cucho for about 15, 20 minutes. We were told that before the game as well, that yeah. that was a possibility. And he literally was just plotting exactly what was going to happen in the second half. And you could just see the whole thing marinating because I think mm. I think that he knew that the game wasn't even close to outer reach, you know, d- despite oh, the yeah. fact that they literally could not get a shred of decent attacking football uh, strung together. It, it was it, it was really it, it was almost like a twilight kind of moment watching him think about that and then seeing it play out the way that it did in, yeah. in the second half. And he's a very thoughtful coach, isn't he? And he's a very cerebral coach. And he's been very successful both in college at Akron um, and then, you know, winning an MLS Cup with Portland um, and then with Columbus. And, you know, the, the one, I suppose, black spot on his, on, his, on his resume was not getting the U23s to the, to the Olympic Games when they, when they drew that game late on against El Salvador. You know, when was that? 2011, I guess, 2012. Um, so he's a great coach and he really is. And, and, you know, he's been one of the mentors for Ezra Hendrickson. And Ezra told me on Friday, I said, what, what are the similarities in your, in your philosophy? He said, when it, we, we, we both play 4-2-3-1 normally, he expected Caleb to go with a three at the back. And he said, when we get to the final third, that's where we differ. Caleb Porter is more structured. And that, that reminds me a little bit of Pep Guardiola. You can score a hat trick for a Pep team but if you're not in the position that you should be, you're going to get a telling off after the game. And Thierry Henry told me, I think I've mentioned this before, Thierry Henry at 4-0 up for Barcelona, went searching for the game, wanted to touch the ball, scored a goal. You know, the crowd went crazy and he got absolutely roasted after the game for not being where he should have been. So Caleb, maybe not at that pep level, but has a more structured idea of how his team's going to attack in the final third. Ezra's a bit more fluid, and it's nice because you've got, you know, Shakiri floating around and you've got Mueller floating around and Gutierrez and, and you know, and Duran as well, as we saw last night. Um, but the, seeing how Caleb Porter assess that first half, realised what he had to do, and also probably realised as well that with the fire starting six players, 22 and under, 
you've got youthful energy. They've absolutely done their job in the first half, but they're going to be a little bit gassed in the second half. And if you get one back against a team that lacks confidence and hasn't got the results on the board and the, and the body of work to fall back on, they're in the game. And you look at that crew bench as well, Tyler. Luis Diaz, veteran, fantastic. Derek Etienne, well, I mean, what a terrific player. What an impact he made. He was, he was absolutely terrific. And then Cucho Hernandez, $10 million, played Premier League football until, until May. You know, so they have the strength in depth that the, you know, taking out Anibaba, the former fire centre back, and then, then flooding that midfield and the wide areas a little bit more. Because in the first half, the wingbacks didn't cross the halfway line, as far as I could see. So you no, might as well go to a back four anyway. They didn't have any reason to. They couldn't. No, like no they yeah. couldn't. They were, they, were, they were pinned back. So the second half was a, was a chastening experience. I thought once the fire had got through the opening 10 minutes, I thought we were onto something. And, and look, the next goal at 2-0 is absolutely massive. And if the fire score the third, it's over. But they didn't, and then the Columbus crew got got the you know the scent of the scent of blood in their in their noses, and and I thought they were fantastic in the second half, and and to lose three two and have Miguel Navarro sent off, and it be upgraded to a straight red after a VAR review, so he's now missing for three matches. It was just, it was so so deflating, it, 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 because the high of half time and the first half compared to the low. At the end of ninety minutes, was was as 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 broad a spectrum of emotions as I've experienced in a football match for a long time. Yeah, and when the red card went down, you know, I'm staying. I I was on top of the fire bench. I could not have been closer. And Ezra just Ezra just threw his hands up and looked and looked at the bench, and he goes, "Red card," as if as if that. Like, of course, that was the way the game was going to end and the discipline issues that we've talked about the entire season. And, you know, the first rec- the first yellow card that Miguel got was super soft. And yeah, and Ramey, Ramey Touchon, you know, again, we, we, we talk about the consistency and we talk about the, you know, the, the refereeing in this league. But it, it really is uh, astonishing how much it can change game to game and really half to half and 15-minute segment to 15-minute segment, what is deemed a yellow yeah. card and what is not. Um, with that said, I do think it was the right call to give him a straight red for for the elbow um, after the VAR check because that, yeah. by the letter of the law now, you know, throwing the elbow above the neck and the whole thing, mm. that technically is a red card. So. That doesn't really matter at the end of the day because he ends up getting his three-game suspension regardless. But, yeah. um, it, you know, it was just – it was the worst way to finish off the night. It really was because the Fire have missed Miguel Navarro dearly over the past yes. four games. Um, and he played well. And, and he did play well up, up until probably I would say about the 60th minute, but he also hadn't played yeah. in four games and he was in health and safety protocols. So, you know, I, I can understand maybe the the, the lack of ninety minute fitness, but he's got a, he's got an incredible motor, and he was still there. But you know, it, once the sixtieth minute hit, I, I, I thought that um, Columbus were really starting to take advantage of him. And once Cucho came on, you know, then then it's a totally different animal, and he was enjoying himself down the right hand side as well. But you know, for for the the three game homestand to start in this fashion, you you could just tell the entire air was sucked out of Soldier Field. It, it mm. really was, and. It, you know, every time we finish up a game as commentators, you know, whether it's me and Tony or whether it's the three of us, especially during that 10, 10 match winless streak, like we, we look at each other and we're just like, we can only do the job that we can do. Yeah. 
last night felt different. That was like, it, 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 it hit us incredibly hard as well. And like, you know, it yeah. wasn't as, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it was just really, really difficult to, to watch that unfold the way that it did. And because Tyler, it might've been, you know, emotionally, it might have been easier to take had the Columbus crew won 2 0, 1 0 at the half time, yes. goal in the second half. Sign, sign and, me up for that any day of the week. Yeah, the, the fire was second best, and we've got no complaints. The, the fact that that game and this team, which is capable of such great play as they displayed in the first half, took us to that height at halftime and the fans and everybody involved and, and themselves, of course, because, you know, they know they can play like this. This is a, this is a team stacked full of attacking talent that is still meshing together, that is waiting for the moment. And I, I said to Ezra on the, on the team coach on the way to the airport in San Jose the other day, one day a team is going to take an absolute smashing from the Chicago fire because everything's going to click. The goals are going to go in. And at halftime, I kind of thought this might be the night. I might, it might be, 3-0, possibly 4-0, maybe 4-1, something like that, and yeah. off we go. 45 minutes later, and you put your headset down on the desk, and it's like, oh. And it was, it was utterly deflating. Now, the challenge is for this team to have the shortest memory possible because there are still two games in this homestand. And although the playoffs are looking a million miles away at the moment, and we have to be honest, it's going to be tough. To get to 48 points now is going to take over two points a game. That's, that's kind of, you know, that's supported shield form, isn't yep. it, from here on in. But there are still things to play for. There, is still, there are still moments to fight for for this team and results to get, to just get some momentum going. And the memory has to be short. And Toronto are coming into town on Wednesday. And if, if this team come out on, on Wednesday night, and are timid and are lacking confidence and a little unsure, I'd be very disappointed because this team need to start Wednesday how they started on mm. Saturday against the Columbus crew. And if they do so, let's just say, look, what happened happened in the second half. The crew are a very good football team and they brought some real quality off the bench. But go again, short memory, remember the first, well, forget the second half, but remember the first yeah. half and go Again, and let's see if we can't recreate Saturday night, at least the first half, but then learn from the mistakes, keep it going, see how the result. Hey, Dub, let me ask you this question. As somebody who, you know, is not around the club as much as Arlo and I are, and you're watching from home and all your disdain for DC United, which has nothing to do with this. 7-0, 7-0, 7-0. Seven I'm just going to say, I've never been more right about a team after that 7-0. That was like, <laughs> right, if you though. listen to the podcast, you're like, oh, he was right. They're dog crap. They, they <laughs> cannot play this game. In fact, they're worse than you said they were. Yes. Yeah. I think you're they're wrong. so bad. They want to bring Wayne Rooney in. We don't know if Wayne Rooney is allowed back at Dulles. <laughs> is he not? Oh, that's a separate issue. <laughs> Let me ask you this question, though. As somebody who's watching that game at home and you see the first half and then the full-time whistle blows, like I'm thinking to myself, like what Arlo's saying, DC is not playing that type of football. San Jose is not playing that type of football. Vancouver is not playing that type of football. Like the fire are not across the board on paper, the players that they have, they are not a last place caliber team. When you finish watching that 90 minutes, like, yeah, like you texted us and it wasn't great, but like 
what are your initial knee-jerk thoughts coming out of that game as somebody who really doesn't have a dog in the fight and you're just watching and, and you know, somebody who just is, uh, a, you know, a, a very, very good producer on a podcast? It's, it's a team that... Always flatter at the end you. of the question. Always. You've learned very well, Tyler. It's a team <laughs> that hasn't learned or does not know how to win. They are individuals who have won before with other teams, but this team does not know how to win together. They don't know what to do, uh, when to pull back, when to kind of go forward, I think, as a whole, as a, as a, as a collective right now with the Chicago Fire. They've done it before with other teams they've been on, but they have not done it as a collective yet with the Chicago Fire. Hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting because, you know, in that second half, Caleb Porter made his moves and brought on some very talented players. And maybe at that point, it's a, it's a chance for the fire to sit, maybe just to sit, just to sit for 10, 15, 20 minutes, soak it up, take your punishment, take your licks. They're going to have chances, but let's not necessarily at that point try and strive for a third goal. And what I like about the lineup that Ezra put out was that, you know, the six players, 22 or younger, because it's exciting. But the, the spine of the team from centre-back forward is Rafa Shehos, 32, got his first goal. Terrific goal. What a cross by Chris Bueller, mm. by the way. Incredible. And a really good header as well. And then in central midfield, he got Gaston Jimenez, who is, what, 30. And then, you know, behind Duran, you've got Shakiri, Jordan Shakiri, who's also 30. And that spine of a team, and Lee Dixon always tells me this, but I think it's a generational thing. Dicko would say that when we were under the pump and we had to, we had to just withstand, we had to take our licks, we had to take our medicine, we had to suffer. I think the modern parlances and the, and the continental coaches in Europe have brought this into, into the parlance of football in England and, and I think in America. We've got to suffer. And that means you've got to be under pressure and you've got to survive. Mm. and you want to play your game, you want to enforce your game on the opposition, but sometimes, you know what, you can't do it, and you've just got to suffer and defend. And I'd like to say, Lee Dixon would say, like, when when that opportunity, sorry, not the opportunity, when that situation arose for Arsenal, Tony Adams, Steve Bold, Winterburn, Dixon, Seaman behind them would go, right, you're standing there, you're standing there, you're standing there, we're going to take this and we're not going to buckle. And I say to, to Lee all the time these days is I don't think players have the autonomy necessarily to do that because they're under orders from, I'm not talking about the fire necessarily, I'm talking about all teams. There is a game plan. It's more NFL-like these days, whereas you don't go rogue, you don't do your own thing, you work to the plan that the team has set you. So I think the fire are just kind of in between at the moment, that sense of this is what I'm, I'm going to do, but actually it feels like we're being overrun here. And I, as a veteran, as a she-horse, as a Jimenez, want to say, right, Navarro, you get back here, me, uh, Fede, uh, I'm going to say to you on the right-hand side, Mueller, you get back here. Right, we're tight, boys. We're tight. We've got to see this out. And if you see it through 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe the crew, I don't know, they obviously wouldn't have given up, but maybe they would have lost a little bit of heart. And I think that's, that's in a way, that's how this team has to evolve, which is when they get the lead and they score the goals that we've been craving and that they've been promising and the expected goals have been promising. 
It's then seeing it out and withstanding the inevitable wave that comes towards you. Because MLS, and I've been watching it over this weekend, it's a bonkers league. Everyone is on the front foot. Everyone is attacking. Everyone's playing to the 100th minute, as was it Houston did last night. You know, it's it, every, it, people are not settling for a point on the road. They're going for all three. So at times in the game, you're going to suffer. And it's how that team and the leaders on that field galvanise the team to withstand that pressure and not be quite as open as they were in the second half. Yep. I, I, I agree. I, I really do. But, um, you know, for, for the fire, like, like you said, I think having the shortest memory possible. And I think that the best case scenario is that they have a game on Wednesday, um, yeah. and, you know, and have an opportunity to play as quickly as possible. And before I get into, um, you know, obviously Toronto and, and the next game up, but if you had gotten nine out of 12 in these four, and let's say you got the three, or excuse me, 12 out of 15, maybe, out of the Vancouver game and the Atlanta game on the back end as well, four out of five of those games being at home. If you can go and steal those three at Vancouver that fans and, and you know media and everybody alike didn't think that you were going to get and also beat Atlanta, you obviously need to take care of business now against Toronto and Seattle. You're probably in the same spot that you thought you were going to be in anyway. Yes, yeah. this loss at the start of this hurts, and especially when Ezra set down that marker in the beginning or in the middle of the week during his press conference saying, we need maximum points. Now you need to go pick up points where people didn't think you were you were going to be able to do so. So the the, the good news is, is there's a lot of games coming up. Um, four out of five in the Merit Soldier Field. So you know now it's a matter of you lost a game you weren't supposed to lose lose after the first 45 minutes. Now go and pick points up where people don't expect you to. That's that's where that's where the challenge is now. Um, yeah. But you know the All Star Game is rapid, rapidly approaching, and you know Fire fans, if you feel like you know perhaps a Chris Mueller, Gaga, Slonina, Rafael Shihos. Yeah. Um, might be might be worthy of that call uh, to the Twin Cities in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, then go ahead and uh, head to chicagofirefc.com or mlssoccer.com and give the boys a vote. We would love to have as many members of the fire as possible representing the great city of Chicago in that match against Liga Emeki's best as well. But let's talk about this Toronto team because, you know, <laughs> Bob Bradley's been busy recently. Um, there, there's, been, there's been some movement. There's been a DP that... Uh, who won MVP in this league in 2020, who was loaned for $150,000 in GAM to Inter Miami, which seems like an obscenely low amount of money. But um, when Lorenzo Insigne says, I want my buddy uh, Bernadeschi to come over as well, uh, you, you make room for him. Uh, so seemingly <laughs> that's, that's what Toronto is doing. And they've reloaded, uh, you know, they picked up Mark Anthony Kay as well from the Colorado Rapids. You know, they have done some business as of late. Um, but this is a Toronto team that, like the Fire, have struggled in the first half of the season, not mm-hmm. as much as Chicago have. Um, but, you know, like like the Fire, played over the weekend, going to play midweek, and they're going to have to travel as well. So this is, you know, this is the opportunity to put everything behind you, be a goldfish, have a short memory, and and go and try to pick up three points. And, and you know, head into the Seattle game with your heads held high and with, and with the idea of winning in the back of your head. And like Adub said, knowing how to win, string together maybe two and then see what happens in Vancouver and Atlanta for, you know, for the last two games of July, because at this, at, at this point, that's all that you can do. You have to pick up these six points and then take, and then take your chances on the road north of the border. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and you're more, you know, um, knowledgeable about Toronto at this point than than I have uh, than I am. Um, I'm going to put some work in between now and Wednesday to fam- familiarise myself with with that team. I know they've been very topsy turvy in terms of form this season. Um, it's a very winnable game. I mean, there's there's no getting away from it. It's a very winnable home game. And then, you know, going into a, a game at home against Seattle, which is going to be absolutely fascinating because Seattle got shellacked at home by the Portland Timbers on Heineken rivalry weekend. That's, the what, day happened, that they, that's what happens you when you decide to put up banner. that banner. Yeah, I mean, but I was reading last night. Was it was it the league's decision? I I, I can't quite get to the bottom of this. I need to do some more reading about it. But you know, t- when I when I found out that they were unfurling the banner against the Timbers, I thought, oh, that I mean, that's great. You can rub it in the face of the opposition, but talk about motivation for the opposition. I, mean, I know Seattle went down to ten men, but they were one nil down at the time. And then then I saw something that the league wanted them to do that because there was a big brawl. I, I don't, so I don't know the full story. But but getting getting beaten three 0 at home by Portland, I can tell you, having spent time in Seattle, that's going to hurt. I don't know where they are in midweek or if they do have a game midweek. Um, but that's a massive game because you're 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 seeing the Concacaf Champions League winners come into town on on Saturday, and and they're a good side. And Ezra was on, was on the coaching staff um, under Ziggy Schmidt there for for a while as well. So look, Toronto, we keep saying it. I think we are in must win territory now. Um, and if we can get three points against Toronto, let's take it into a big Saturday night against Seattle and let's see what happens. And like you say, if you can get six points from the next couple of games, then you're in the territory that you've got to go and get points you're not expected to. Um, but you can only you can only win the next game. Yep. At some point, momentum has got to build. At some point, there has to be a streak of results. Um, it hasn't happened yet. Wednesday's another day. And not for nothing, the fire O Toronto one. I mean, given given the way that that 33 shots, goodness me, given the way that that game went down. And by the way, in the last like nine meetings between these two sides, there's been at least three goals scored. So expect some fireworks. I know the fireworks show was was after the Columbus game, but there's going to be a lot of goals in this one again. Um, And and that game was right before the international break and was a game that the fire needed to have. They didn't. They absolutely dominated them. And I, I think we mentioned this on the pod after that game. And we talked about how, you know, the last time that the Fire in Toronto played uh, at Soldier Field last year in 2021, they outshot them 31 to 4, whatever it was. So they've <laughs> they've outshot them like 66 to 9 in the past in the past two out of three games that they've played them and wound up with zero points out of those games. Like it's it's obscene. So, you know, not only is this short memory we need to atone for our sins over the weekend, but it's this Toronto team is clearly not better than us, and we need to prove that on the score. And and listen, and if it takes one of those ones where you get outshot 31-4 to four and, and you still come yeah. away with three points, who cares? Who cares? Absolutely. And I don't think that so, that's the way that it's going to go down, but it, that's, that, yeah. that, that's where we're at at this point. So 7 p.m. Central on Wednesday night on WGN for the Chicago Fire against Toronto FC, myself, Tyler, and, uh, and Tony Miola on the call. And then Thursday night, we've got a, an interesting event mm. occurring uh, at Wrigley Field, another, another storied venue where, um, for my sins, I'm going to be throwing out the first pitch for the second time. And I've managed to um, smuggle you in on <laughs> the uh, scenario, despite being a Mets fan. And I'm still waiting for confirmation whether you're allowed to throw a pitch or whether you, whether you can just come to the mound or not. Um, and I, as far as I know, you won't be frisked for any sort of Mets 
clothing underneath your shirt, any memorabilia that you might you might have in I'm, your pockets. I mean, it's up to you what you do, I guess. I am staring, and it's staring back at me at my Jacob <laughs> Degrom Mets All Star jersey. Uh, I have my I have multiple Mets hat here. I got one with that has Mister Met on it, and then I just got the classic black Mets hat with the with the orange uh, New York Mets sign. So, um. For those of you who don't know me, I am not exactly a bashful or coy human being. Um, I have no issue. Really? <laughs> I, I have zero issue wearing my Mets gear out there in Wrigley Field with you. So I am I am all game to be that guy who's going to rile up the Cubs faithful at Wrigley Field. Um, I, I, I'll go ahead and say that I probably have done it already at this point when I saw the Mets get trounced by the Cubs like 10 nothing last year in 40-degree weather in April, and I was starting. <laughs> let's go Mets chance with all the with all the New York transplants um, at Wrigley Field as well but first of all thank you second of all you know you you you're telling me that you, you know I might throw out the first pitch I might not I'm just gonna go ahead and call you out and say that you don't want me to throw out the first pitch with you because you don't want to get embarrassed that's that's where I think that this well, is going. I, no no I, I mean there is that I suppose but no it's, it's protocol it's protocol I mean protocol. I, all I can do is, uh-huh. is follow is follow protocol and um, you know I, I know that you because of your Mets leanings I'd just like to take this advance uh, opportunity to say to the Cubs thank you for my second and apparently final opportunity to throw out the first pitch at Ridley Field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no protocol. Hello, when is when is the last time you threw a baseball? The first well, pitch. the last time I threw the pitch, yeah, <laughs> uh, which was September, September September 2019, I think it was. I played it safe. I had been throwing with my personal trainer at the gym on, on a tennis court in uh, in the east middle of England. Just about, you know, I don't know for a couple of weeks before. I used to play cricket a lot, but I did have a rotator cuff injury in the right shoulder. So I thought, you're, well, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try and show off and throw some heat, and it's just going to go viral because it sails over the, the catcher's head. So I just it was a loopy air ball, moon ball that landed just wide of the plate. But I think I'm going to go for something similar. I just can't. I can't face going viral for being rubbish at sport. I, I don't know if you could sound more British than you just did in the past two and a half minutes talking about how you were practicing throwing with your trainer in the Midlands. You used to play a lot of cricket and yeah. it, was, it was a high looping ball and you haven't thrown a baseball since 2019. But yeah. Oh, man. The, the, well, the Romans are not good based on all of that information, no. are they? No. Um, <laughs> listen, I am happy to I'm happy to go out there and we can we can throw around a ball beforehand, yes. you know, before Thursday. Yes. Um, yes. and I would, I would love to, to help you on this journey so that you have you got a mitt because you can get a mitt. I, in, do. I think I yes, do bring a mitt, bring a mitt, yeah. even if it's in the parking lot beforehand. We, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, I need to throw some baseballs. We could go to sluggers beforehand too, and we can take some rips in the batting cage as well if you we really wanted to. Well, what I tell you, well, this is getting more interesting by the second. <laughs> I will <laughs> I buy know, any listener out though. I don't any listener way of. of Adam, is this is this his way of getting to throw the first pitch yes. by getting me to blow the shoulder out in sluggers beforehand? Absolutely, and I will buy any listener that gets a photo of you two having a nice catch together in a parking lot. I will buy them any kit of first their of choice, all, any all, kit of their choice. This isn't this isn't St. Louis or you know like some you know actual Midwest city where there's room to have a yeah, there is no parking, parking lot. lot. There's no parking <laughs> lot here in Chicago. That's what I'm to- saying. You're going to be on the beach together. 
It just like Beach Drive is having a yeah. nice catch. Tyler Narlo. <laughs> the Cubs used to be by the third baseline and the first baseline, right? There's only recently yeah. they've actually had a bullpen underneath the uh, underneath the bleachers. We're gonna we're gonna be having a catch on uh, on Clark and Addison and just just throwing the ball in the middle of the street and people are gonna be, people are gonna be like, who's that ginger that can't throw? <laughs> <laughs> who's the ginger throwing moon balls? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's hope we got three points by then. Let's hope we've got three points by then, and we can go into it, and we'll be we'll be full of hope and joy, and and sp- there'll be a spring in our step as we head out to the mound. And if you if you do end up throwing a strike, and A Dub can be the the judge of that, um, I will. Uh, we can we can make some sort of bet that maybe we can follow up on 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 Thursday when we record the next episode of the pod. Um, but if you Ooh. throw a strike, I will. Uh, I'll I'll do something. I don't know what. I'll do something. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'll wear a lesser uh, kit. I'll well, wear a lesser kit for a week, or you know, something along those lines. But if you okay, throw it, I like that. That focus, right? That will focus my mind, and <clears throat> there will be video from behind. Uh, you know, the the usual TV view of, yeah. of, uh, of the of the of the game will be available, and they'll send me the video afterwards, so it will be clearly discernible as to whether it's a strike or not. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe so talk, strike, and you. I'll speak in an English. Well, just by just by around after after the game. Yeah, <laughs> or that. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's see how that goes on Thursday. But the more important business is Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Central on the WGN. And it's the fire against Toronto FC. And let's hope the fire have the goldfish memory, like Ted Lasso says, and you mentioned before. And they can go out, get in the faces of uh, TFC and get those three points that we also desperately crave. Here, here. I raise my hazy pitch. This has been the Intercontinental Football Show brought to you by Revolution Brewing. I'm Arlo White. I'm Arlo White. He's <laughs> Arlo White. There we go. Hey. And, um, this is why and I'm, I'm Tyler Terrence. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, it's been one Freedom Lemonade and, and one quarter of a hazy pitch. I'm Tyler Terrence. He's Arlo White. That's Adub, who hopefully is going to clip that out, but I know he's not going to. This has been episode number 67. Have an awesome week. We will talk to you later in the week after the Toronto game, where hopefully we'll be talking about the Fires three points. Have a great week, everyone.